everybody! Welcome to another episode of Classic Gaming Brothers. I'm Zach. And I'm Seth. And I'm Dylan. Whoa! <laughs> Whoa, it's me! <laughs> <laughs> Zach, you gotta finish though. You gotta finish it out, Zach. You can't just leave everybody hanging. I already I said welcome to another episode of Classic Gaming Brothers. No, but you didn't oh, say we, we're, it, the classic... we're the Classic Gaming Brothers. And Dylan. Wow. We, I feel like Oh my gosh, I love it. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 55 of the Classic Gaming Brothers. Dang. And as evident by uh, Zachary not, not even doing the intro correctly. Just excited. Uh, we, we have, I know you're excited, we have a uh, guest on our show and it is our friend Dylan, who is also a very talented, also has a podcast, and I do also a, a uh, Twitch, which you are a, an accomplished streamer on said Twitch. Uh, so you go by, uh, now I'm going to try this. Zach could probably pronounce it better, but I'm going to try pronounce it. Can a queen? Close. Close. <laughs> I'm going to say, first of all, thank you so much because that was such a uh, non-deserved, incredibly flattering introduction. Um <laughs> It's Conaqueen, if you want Kana to be Queen. technical. Yes, Kana it's Queen. a play on words from a uh, Kaneki from Tokyo Ghoul. Oh, fun! That's now, an anime um, <laughs> as sure I've 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 watched a few in my time. And if if you were if viewers, because everybody watches us, we don't have faces for odd video. We're terrifying. We... Yeah, we just we don't have faces. <laughs> we don't have faces. <laughs> just a bunch of Slenderman come... over here. <laughs> it's, why, it's why we podcast. Because That's our... why I didn't turn on my webcam because I'm currently it's... faceless. Yeah, we're just we're all faceless. It's so scary. That's what happens when you come to CGP headquarters. As as my I my mother has once said, uh Seth, you have a face made for radio. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's good. But if our if our listeners wanted to find you in the in the internet, is it's K A N E K W E E N. Nailed it. Perfect. I'm glad that I can. Except start. for on Twitter, right, where you have three E's. Yes, three E's for Twitter and Instagram. Two E's for YouTube, TikTok, and Twitch. Uh, and Dylan also has, and we'll plug everything at the end too, but Dylan also has a podcast called Consume Culture, um, which we were on a few episodes ago where we talked about survival horror games and such. Um, and you can, yeah. you can find that on um, all the different podcasting applications that I'm aware of. Yes, wherever yeah. you can find Classic Gaming Brothers, you can find Consume Culture, or hopefully, maybe, I don't know. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Let's get into it. Uh, for episode 55, we are post well, I'm not even going to get into time frames right now. It's a weird, <laughs> it's a weird world today. But we've we've got a lot of episodes here under past us, as evident because we are episode 55. So as always, let's talk about what we've been recently been playing. And since you are a guest, Dylan, what have you been recently been playing? Well, I've been recently playing Genshin Impact. So it's a free to play action role playing game developed and published by MiHoYo. The game features a fantasy open world environment and action-based battle system using elemental magic, character switching, and uses gacha game monetization for players to obtain new characters, weapon, and other resources. It is so much fun. I'm so addicted. I started Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, which is a game that it's often compared to because of the um, location and the graphics and much else. But unfortunately, I put it by the wayside to start Genshin because it just sucked me in. 
Nice. Now, yeah, so because yeah, I've seen that. Um, I guess the I the like the side by sides of Genshin Impact against like Legend of Zelda, and um, like the comparisons between the two. What about like the gameplay when it comes to so like one of my things with Legend of Zelda's Breath of the Wild is I it's a good game, but I do not like inventory degradation where your inventory degrades over time or gets damaged and breaks and you have to like uh what is does it happen in genshin impact so far and i've put very many hours into the game um so far i've never had to drop anything so the inventory just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and it just is endless do do weapons break or anything no oh you nice. use you use weapons to um, upgrade your characters, upgrade other weapons, upgrade artifacts, uh, upgrade other stuff. So I'm never really too worried about my inventory, mm-hmm. which is nice. Yeah, that was that was my thing with um, Breath of the Wild is that like I have like a sword or something, and then after like thirty swings, it like break, and I do. Like, oh yeah, no, this is like if you find a sword that you really love, you can keep it, and not only keep it, but you can upgrade it and keep upgrading it. That's fun. Yeah, it's really fun. And now, and you said it was a, a gacha game, which is a it's like a loot box system, correct? Yes. Yeah, yeah, because I know gacha comes from gachapon, which are the vending machine toys in Japan. We have them here, but it's usually like instead of like toys, we get like stickers or like slime hands that you throw at walls and they stick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's nice because the main kind of resource uh, or the main reason most people use the loot boxes is to get new characters. Yeah. So they're always updating and, you know, bringing in new characters. I think there's already like 20 plus characters you can unlock. Yeah. Because you have like four characters in your party at a time. So, Zach, what have, uh, what have you been recently been playing? Well, Seth, not too long ago. It's actually, it was now a few weeks ago um, as of recording. We we participated in the Extra Life 24-hour stream, which was a lot of fun. Dylan actually uh, helped with that. He was part of our team. Um, and he, he did his own separate stream. During that, I played a little bit of a game called Terraria, which um, I've played since. And Terraria is an action-adventure sandbox game developed by Relogic. Originally came out in 2011 for Windows. It's been ported to many other consoles since then. It's kind of like 2d minecraft i would call it so the game is uh heavily based on exploration crafting building doing just a wide variety of different options that you can and i i got the game actually originally around the time it came out so originally i first started playing it in 2011 and i kind of stopped for like since recently um so it's been about 10 or so years since i last touched the game um and as you can imagine a lot of things have changed so it's been getting uh me getting used to it uh so much has changed in fact the character i originally played as is no longer available for me to play as and i had to create a new character oh no yes. yeah which is a yes. bummer you know but don't worry if anyone was watching at two in the morning when we were playing or what around around we two in the morning playing. i think yeah two in the morning zach played sanic the hedgehog yes who yeah it was a little blue terrania terraria person Good old Sanic. Sanic. And I, of course, played a CGB guy with red hair and a black shirt because that's our brand. And I'm Sonic, and that's my personal brand. So kind of like Shadow? Yeah, you were like Shadow. Oh, I was kind of like Shadow. Is Classic Gaming Brothers just Shadow the Hedgehog? We might just be a Shadow the Hedgehog like fan podcast. That, no. I I don't know if we could do that. But (laughs) anyway, recently I've been playing uh, GoldenEye 007 
which is a game that came out in 1997 and was developed by Rare Studios, who also developed other wonderful games like Banjo-Kazooie. So I played uh, GoldenEye 007 most recently during our Extra Life stream where I played it after not sleeping for like 23 hours. So that was fun. Um, and then I also played it before then and after that on uh, emulation. Zach had the original N64, so I uh, played it on that, which was great too. Except he had a really loosey-goosey analog stick on one of the N64 controllers, and I was very mad. Well, the one that I was using was worse, so I gave you the well, better controller of the, of the yeah, two. I like a I like a good stick on my uh, N64 controller, and I like when uh, if I like do the wheel motion with my hand that the callus will appear immediately yeah the wound on your hand from doing the circling so nostalgic mario party yeah, yeah. mario party yes yeah. yeah you just have like so good uh, sore, open I, sores after playing that game uh, yeah it's, it's the best but golden also a great game i love everything about golden uh from the single player to the multiplayer to the movie <laughs> i just uh it's it's actually one of my favorite bond movies the part that i really enjoy is when playing playing multiplayer with my brother and other family members looking at their screen and finding out oh, what yeah. they're doing in order to uh, cheat and win. Yeah. <laughs> screen looking is Classic. like, it's encouraged. It is, it is allowed. You just don't talk about it because <laughs> yeah. then you no, get made no. fun of for cheating. Yeah. And then it's a fight for whoever picks odd job every time. Absolutely. That's true. It's is, always is Seth. That... I'm pretty sure he turned off the game system on me once when I picked odd job before he could. <laughs> that was a long time ago. <laughs> oh my God. That's true. Or unplug the controller before, so then you can go get odd job before the other person can get odd job yes. and then plug it in. Brilliant. Yeah, there was a lot of things. And then you have to, right before you launch the game, change it so that auto aim and the aim assist are turned off so that, <laughs> that nobody can point down to shoot you. When we were playing it, we did play my two favorite favorite modes which are license to kill so that only one hit kills and then we did a proxy mines and a remote mines which are both really enjoyable especially when one just a little bit of flame from either the mines will just instantly kill you so a license to kill is probably my fa- favorite mode game mode i or um the man with the golden gun i, I really like the golden gun the kind of like tossing back that like explosive football over and over again it's a great it's a great classic game but we are not here to talk about goldeneye even though we could we are here to talk about a game that we actually mentioned in our very briefly in our 50th episode a game that was inspired by super mario 64 and that game is kingdom hearts kingdom hearts we have uh, we have Dylan on the show because Dylan Dylan and I went to college and together, um, and uh, we've known each other for a long time. And I've always known Dylan to be a fan of Kingdom Hearts. In fact, when I think of Kingdom Hearts, the first thing I think of is either Dylan or my my old roommate Shay. Oh my God, that's such an honor! Thank you. <laughs> so I love um, that. and then I just think of like Donald screaming at me from like across the across from ah! Doesn't Donald have Absolutely. a gun in the game? No, Donald does not have a gun. <laughs> Donald <laughs> has a magic wand. I swear. For the this looks like time. a good place to find some ingredients. I, I, I just triggered so many Kingdom Hearts characters. I, players. <laughs> I'm just picturing Donald with a gun now. Yeah. <laughs> Donald's got I, a gun. I, thought, I, Everyone I, get I out. thought I thought I've seen screenshots of Donald holding a like a Okay, like there's a absolutely millimeter. a meme in my 
uh, phone right now that's Donald Duck holding a gun, and it looks so realistic. So I know exactly the image you're thinking of. Good, good. Perfect, perfect. That's uh, I just assumed it was part of the game. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, Seth and I have, of course, played Kingdom Hearts, but Dylan has much more experience with Kingdom Hearts, so we wanted to bring him on as an expert, um, an expert in the topic, so that we could we could bounce ideas off of him. But, so excited. Uh, I, uh, yeah. I think it's also it's it's probably debatable that I've actually played it since I just thought Donald Duck had a gun. <laughs> yeah. <that's just> <laughs> And uh, yeah, we're going to we're going to talk about our memories of Kingdom Hearts here. Now, like I said, uh, Seth and I have some memories of Kingdom Hearts, but we have Dylan here as an expert. So, um, well, Dylan, you are the guest. Do you want to start us off and uh, give us some of your your early your memories of Kingdom Hearts? You know, when you first played it, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, definitely. Um, when I, f- I don't remember too much when I first played it because I was so young. I was probably like 10, 11 years old. But my favorite memories of uh kind of the game in general i have two one of them is when i went to new york comic-con in 2017 i cosplayed as sora and it was like just one of the coolest most fun experiences because you know it's such a beloved character everyone instantly knew who i was coming up taking pictures with me people stopping me like literally every two seconds if i felt famous (laughs) so that it was so it was so 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 fun and i also i got to meet some of the cast of kingdom hearts there i had one of them uh sign my keyblade it was very magical and then my second memory is when i stood in line for hours and hours and hours to uh for the release premiere of kingdom hearts 3 because we waited about 14 15 years for the third full game i will never forget sitting for hours on a beanbag playing nintendo switch uh with my friend who met met me there um there was like kingdom hearts trivia they were giving away prizes and just the moment that i got the kingdom hearts actual game itself in my hands me and my friend sprinted out the store and just started screaming and like yeah that was a moment i'll never forget because it just awaited you know more than half my life for that moment um so that was really special nice zach why don't since my memories are probably the most incomplete why don't you go well my my first memories of kingdom hearts is when our, our dad picked up the playstation 2 that he still has and he still plays the the playstation 2 that he got i remember we picked up a couple of games with it that were used games but uh we got one that was eco the the game that was made by the people who made shadows of the colossus and i think yes. a little later we picked up kingdom hearts Ico, Ico, Ico. eco is like the game with the dolphin that's echo closer than echo is a great game but yeah so we uh, we picked up kingdom hearts a little later and i just remember being really impressed by the game because it was one of the first full like final fantasy style games i played in terms of like an rpg game mm, yeah same but also a little confused why Donald and Goofy were there. Um, didn't <laughs> mind it, but <laughs> but I did. It was a little confusing. And I think the reason we got it was because we had family friends who had a PlayStation 2 and they had Kingdom Hearts as well. They also had a couple other games like Dot Hack and stuff. that. Um, so that was also a first like, RPG experience for me. But yeah. Um, we own Dot Hack? No. They, they, oh, they uh, had a family Doc friend Doc. of ours had Dot Hack. But that was my first experience playing Kingdom Hearts. I thought it was really fun. I had a great time. I didn't beat it until a lot later in life. I was actually, I didn't beat it until probably my, one of my years in high school. I spent a summer with my dad and he had it I guess, still. So I just beat it one 
like afternoon. <laughs> I just like sat That's through so and played funny. through all of it. I, I have a, yeah, like I remember when I first played it in middle school, but I stopped. I remember specifically at the Queen of Hearts level because I thought okay. it was too hard. Yeah. And I literally just put it down and then didn't finish it until like high school. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember when I stopped. I just remember being like, this game's too hard for little Zach. And I came back a few <laughs> years later. I was like, this game's too easy for little Zach. It is pretty hard for like <laughs> a young funny. kid. So my memories of Kingdom Hearts are I I vaguely there's like the little the little shadow creatures in it the heartless yes the heartless. the heartless you, you have to beat them up so like I remember going through like maybe like a city map like their streets or something oh probably Traverse Town which is the first mm-hmm. yeah yeah, yeah yep. I remember that going through there fighting the heartless and Traverse Town I remember that I probably progressed a couple levels past that. But I don't I don't recall sticking with it for any period of significant period of time, to be honest. It's probably a game that I should probably go back and, and play to understand why everyone loves it. Um, but uh, I definitely um, my memories of it are, are rather absent, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Highly recommend if you have the time. Yes. Yes. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll put it in the, the docket of to do list. Um, I think I'll have to dig up a. A PlayStation. It's on PS1, right? PS2, but you can get the HD remaster for PS4, which... You can actually get the um, Kingdom Hearts all-in-one package, which comes with every single game for PS4. So, uh, Dylan, I was putting together some questions, and especially because as somebody who has extremely limited knowledge on Kingdom Hearts, I wanted to ask the expert on Kingdom Hearts. So, what in Kingdom Hearts... What about Kingdom Hearts appeals to you? So, originally, when I first played the game it was the disney aspect of it i got it because i was like oh this is a really cool concept to have characters um living in disney worlds and when i heard that there was a nightmare before christmas level i was like i'm all in the idea of me being able to walk around that universe sold it for me but now it's less the Disney aspect of it. My favorite parts are really the like the core story itself that really doesn't have anything to do with the Disney characters. Also, the music I would say is probably my favorite thing about Kingdom Hearts. Um, this is gonna sound so nerdy, but whatever. It's a really inexplainable feeling for me. Their music is some of my favorite music of all time, and it's something very nostalgic. I've had it with me for very pivotal moments of my life, and so what appeals to me now is that it's not only a really fun game but the story is incredible i've grown up with it and uh the music is like i said some of my favorite of all time as you mentioned and as we we've mentioned already uh the the series is very disney franchised but it's not made by disney it's made by square right Mm -hmm. since it's not made by disney and it's made by square that means that square has licensed disney for the use in kingdom hearts now i'm sure there's some sort of legal agreements and all that jazz so that they can use it and integrate it into the property. And I'm sure Disney is very happy with the performance of it. Do you think that Kingdom Hearts could stand on its own without the Disney license as a game by itself? Yes, because there's already examples of it. So 358 over two days, for instance, um, is one Kingdom Hearts games that has nothing to do with anything Disney. It's just core Kingdom Hearts story. I would even say that's one of the more beloved entries in the franchise. So I definitely think it could stand on its own. I Because, I mean, the enemies that you fight, 
the characters, the plot itself, it has to do with the Disney characters. But I think if they found a new way, a new battle, a contextual battle for Kingdom Hearts itself, I think they could actually absolutely go forth without Disney characters. And that, now, I, I understand from my knowledge of all things useless in life is that the original creator of kingdom hearts wanted a more like a chainsaw weapon and eventually presented that to the disney executives who were signing off on things and they wanted something that's a little more disney friendly so (laughs) because in order for people to play in the disney world you got to play by the disney rules totally and or else disney would have walked away and so we have the Keyblade as the weapon. Do you think that if the Keyblade, being such an iconic piece of Kingdom Hearts, do you think it could be replaced with a weapon like a chainsaw and still have the game be a more violent but fun game? Or do you think that that wholesome aspect of the game is necessary for the game soul, as it were? I think the latter is a really good way to put it. I think now, yes, we can say, you know, they can't be as violent because it's Disney. But I think some of the, like you said, some of the soul of the game comes from all of your uh violence being of magic and i think if you took away that element of it it wouldn't feel like a kingdom hearts game i'm sure it would be just as fun and i mean you know there's some aspect of like the organization 13 for example which is like a group of villains that you fight where their weapons kind of they're not as violent but they might seem like other violent weapons um but there's still like an element of magic to it so i think would it be as fun yes would it like you said have the same kind of soul wholesomeness to it definitely not now how do you feel about how the games are sold and marketed where some games are canon to the main timeline are only available on separate consoles. We've talked about how there are certain games that are exclusive to mobile phones or the PSP. Does that exclusivity onto that console, does that impact you on how the games are sold? Would you rather they all be sold? I mean, we've mentioned that they can all be bundled together now, but do you think that they originally should have been sold kind of in a consistent manner? Yes and no. It's kind of a, I kind of have a love-hate relationship with it. I do love it because it offers a lot of very, gameplay like between you know a ds versus a psp versus a playstation 4 it's a totally new experience but with the same story which is really cool and you know like kingdom hearts melody of memory which is on the switch like that's going to be a whole new experience because there hadn't been a switch kingdom hearts game before so i love that aspect of it but at the same time as kind of a devoted fan and as someone who i want others to experience what i experience in my experience of people wanting to play the game oftentimes the reaction because of all of that is well i don't think i'm gonna go back and play every single game therefore i'm not gonna play all of them Mm. which stinks because you know i totally understand that because it's a lot to take in and a couple of my friends are like you know i wish i could get into kingdom Hearts. i wish i could understand why everyone loves it so much but I don't want to buy a PS4 and then, you know, buy a DS or buy a PSP. And like we said earlier, you can get all of them in one package, um, but it's not quite the same experience. And also it's quite a time investment. So I love it for the variedness of it um, and the excitedness of being on different platforms. But I don't like it because I think it prevents people from joining in on the experience. 
Finally, is there anything that you'd like to see from a future Kingdom Hearts game? What would you like to see for the future for like Kingdom Hearts 4 or whatever sequel they want to make or whatever name they want to call it? Is there an aspect that you would want to see brought into the game or do you want to see like more of the same? Oh, man. <laughs> There's so much that I want. Um, I think maybe this is a hot take. I don't know if it is, but I would really love them to venture outside of kind of classic Disney and look under the Disney license and explore what they have, like Marvel or Star Wars or, you know, all of that. I think that would be really exciting and really invigorating it would bring new life to the series especially because you know there's things like there's parts of the caribbean episodes in like kingdom hearts 3 and actually i think all of the main games have parts of the caribbean at least two or two and three and originally it was like weird because it's like oh these are real people but sora is like a cartoon and so are donald and goofy and so how do we incorporate that but kingdom hearts 3 did a really really good job of bringing those two worlds of animation together and it not look weird. And so I think with the completion of that, I would really love to see, you know, as a massive Star Wars fan too, I think I would keel over and die if there were to be a Star Wars planet in the Kingdom Hearts universe or uh, like an Avengers planet in the Kingdom Hearts universe. Now that we know we can incorporate like actual humans quote-unquote i uh, do does uh the kingdom as someone who has played all of the kingdom hearts are are lesser known disney titles incorporated that are still like core disney that are they incorporated like i'm thinking of what is it the black cauldron or something like that do you know if the that particular i don't know about the black cauldron but yes there's a lot of like little references to a bajillion different disney titles you know there's one of actually the main characters of the story i mean i wouldn't say main character but a very pivotal character to the kingdom hearts story is yen sid from fantasia and so there's a bunch of little disney references like that that are sprinkled throughout that's not just like you know toy story or frozen or big title disney um They definitely look to other avenues. Yeah, right. Because I know, like, what is it? Um, they had uh, Alice in Wonderland is in there as well. Yeah, um, yeah. Alice in Wonderland was um, one of the originals the, in the first game. One of the original worlds, which is, I mean, for the time that it came out, I think it was still, the cartoon was still pretty popular when the original game came out so well thank you very much for our little impromptu interview session there um absolutely it's so fun <laughs> zach do you want to um get on with the history of kingdom hearts yeah, take it away to the nitty-gritty history so uh kingdom hearts is a crossover game if you haven't figured that out between disney properties and the final fantasy world you play as sora who is an original character in the series you travel to different disney themed worlds to defeat villains known as the heartless this is like the most like basic description of the kingdom hearts plot (laughs) it's like (laughs) so at least in the first game the heartless have been capturing disney princesses and other characters in order to steal their hearts and that's the basic plot though it certainly uh is more complex than that as you play the game it's a jrpg which we talked about in our 45th episode with our friend mike and uh those can be entirely complex in the storylines so in terms of the actual history of the game kingdom hearts began reportedly 
with a discussion between Square Enix producer Shinji Hashimoto and Final Fantasy creator uh, Hironobu Sakaguchi. They wanted to explore the idea of making a game like Super Mario 64. And, and that was in terms of the freedom that Super Mario 64 had to offer. The kind of the ability to travel wherever you wanted, to kind of run around where you wanted and not be limited into the um, direction that your character could go. Now, at the same time, Square Enix director Tasuya Namura uh, happened to overhear this conversation and decided to to peek his head in and say, "Hey, I will lead the project." And <laughs> I assume that's what happened. Yeah, he offered to lead the project and he, and he took uh, and he took a chance on it. And another thing that happened was there was a chance meeting between Hashimoto and a Disney executive in an elevator because, fun fact, the Disney of Japan's offices were in the same building as Sony of Japan, um, for a period of time at least. So they often shared uh, elevators with each other. Um, And during this elevator um, session, uh, Hashimoto pitched an idea of saying, hey, what if we did a Square Enix Disney game, maybe with Final Fantasy characters? And that executive said, hey, that sounds like money right there. Originally, Nomura struck down a number of proposals from Disney, mostly due to the fact that he wanted the game to feature an original character. Eventually, a plan was decided and agreed upon, and the game began development in February of 2000. Originally, the game was supposed to be a simple story with the aim to target Disney's core demographics. Uh, Sakaguchi, however, told Nomura that the game would be a failure if they didn't try to aim for the same type of game as Final Fantasy. This shifted the focus to make the game feel more like a Final Fantasy game that used elements of Disney. The game was eventually released on March 28, 2002. A Final Mix version, which provided some tweaks to the gameplay and other changes, was released on December 26, 2002 in Japan. This version was released in North America with the release of the HD version in 2012 of the PlayStation 3. This HD version was also brought to the PlayStation 4 in 2017. To do the numbers, on release, the game received immensely positive reviews. During the first two months of its North American release, it was one of the top three highest selling video games. At the end of April 2003, Square announced that Kingdom Hearts had sold its millionth copy in the United States. Uh, Worldwide, it had sold three million copies, which is, once again, an important reason. I could guarantee you we don't have like the splits right here um in front of me but i guarantee you the split is probably like uh, a million in the u.s and like probably like 1.5 million in japan and then the remaining bulk in europe uh in europe yeah which goes to show you why japanese game creators really like porting their games to america because america still makes up a very good big portion of the video game oh yeah purchaser so it's an it, it's always an important if you're if ever in your mind you ever wonder like why do all these japanese games come over like why do they get localized and then pushed to the american market well we buy it <laughs> <laughs> and guess what people like money as of june of 2019 the kingdom hearts series as a whole has shipped more than 32 million copies worldwide so that's all the games in canon and the game series has uh, tie-in merchandising that include soundtracks, figures, uh, figurines, uh, companion books, novels, a CCG, a collectible card game, manga, and a soon-to-be-released television series on Disney Plus streaming. So, and all those merchandising opportunities makes additional money. And it, and that's like the old. Um, it's an old tactic when it comes to television and movies, right? The television movie needs to be popular enough so you can sell merchandise, specifically toys. Like, that's like a thing. That's why George Lucas made 
billions of dollars because he maintained merchandising rights for Star Wars. So every time a toy was made um, in the beginning, Lucas made 80 cents to every dollar that Kenner made. And merchandising is essential back to the brand of the product itself. Uh, In this case, it's a video game. So when Kingdom Hearts can be supported by not only the video game, series shipping 32 million copies worldwide it then also ties in with all those merchandise so dylan said that well he loves the soundtrack i'm maybe he's purchased it separately on a cd that's more money in their pockets i was gonna say i probably have at least one of everything in that last sentence (laughs) so there you go and you're and you're excited about the television series so excited and so that excitement from a fan of Kingdom Hearts not only drives his dollars into the video game itself, but also drives his dollars into all the other things that he wants to buy, such as t-shirts or figurines or stuff for his cosplay. Like, it's just how it is. If Nomura says jump, I say how high. <laughs> right. And, and that's just amazing. It's another, um, a very successful franchise, as it were. And I think it's it's kind of fun talking about these type of video games that really started in an elevator. Um, a couple people watched and wanted to make some Super Mario 64 modern take on it with, you know, Final Fantasy characters and decided that Disney would be a good crossover. And they just happened to work in the same building. And now it's probably a multi-billion dollar franchise. As it At least be. a multi-million dollar franchise. So, uh, Dill, why don't you, why don't, why don't we get into how the game actually plays? Absolutely. So the gameplay of Kingdom Hearts is heavily inspired by the parent franchise, Final Fantasy. Unlike the turn-based gameplay of previous Final Fantasy games, Kingdom Hearts uh, utilizes an action-based hack-and-slash system. The main party consists of three characters. The base characters are Sora, Donald Duck, and Goofy. Um, But throughout your adventure and throughout other games, you get to... Uh, shift and change who is in your party depending on like what world you're in or who you want um, to complement each other with Um, so it's it's very fun Uh, the only playable character in the first game is Sora though other games introduce new playable characters uh, such as Riku or Kairi or Aqua or Terra or Roxas Um, Sora is played from a third person camera angle the other party members are computer controlled You can change out your party members throughout the game in specific levels. For example, in Tarzan and Deep Jungles, Jack Skellington in Halloween Town, which is my personal favorite from the first game, and Peter Pan in Neverland. So uh, during fighting throughout the game, you gain experience points where you level up your own abilities and your party members' abilities. As you gain experience, you can continue to access new powers. The game is linear. Um, so that you you progress from one story event to the next. Though as you progress through, you can unlock special characters that you can summon, uh, such as Dumbo and Tinkerbell, who provide you bonuses or pickups like health pickups. It is a uh, as stated, it's a very JRPG. Uh, you can head back into the archives of CGB Past and listen to episode forty-five, where we we deep dive into JRPGs and talk about the differences between JRPGs and WRPGs. And um, But uh, Kingdom Hearts is decidedly a JRPG. So there is an inventory system similar to other RPG games, and you can upgrade your inventory and weapons and abilities and such with collected money, spelled M-U-N-N-Y, which I know Dylan uses as the like thing that you... If you're watching Dylan's stream on Twitch, um, you'll earn M-U-N-N-Y that you can like use to redeem little things throughout the stream Um, yeah it's my uh channel redemption points channel redemption points yeah so 
I assume that's where you got the name. <laughs> that's exactly where I got the name. <laughs> Excellent. There's also a segment of the game that requires you to fly from one world to the next via something called the gummy ship spelled g-u-m-m-i uh the gummy ship segments take place as kind of an on the rail shooter segment uh very similar to games like star fox you must avoid obstacles and enemies and make it to the next world in one piece and at one point spoiler alert in the first game you get eaten by a whale also fun fact about uh the gummy ship and it being kind of like on the rail shooter so that was kind of like the first two games, but a really exciting addition to the third game was the gummy ship portion became a little bit more open world and off nice. the rails. Um, so you can like fly around uh, the like galaxies between different worlds um, and do certain missions. And it became much more involved in the third game. That's fun. So uh, as, uh, as we've been implying throughout this entire episode, there are a lot of Kingdom Hearts games. In, in fact, it spawned a massive series of games for a variety of consoles. The first direct sequel came out in 2004 for the Game Boy Advance, and that was Kingdom Hearts Chain of Memories. This introduced a new gameplay mechanic where you constructed decks of cards that corresponded to different actions in battle. Uh, they remade this game into Regarding Chain of Memories for the PlayStation 2. Kingdom Hearts 2 came out in 2005 for the PS2, the plot of which followed the events of Chain of Memories. So if you never played Chain of Memories, like myself, you might be a little confused by Kingdom Hearts 2, at least at the beginning part, where they reference Chain of Memories. Very true. Coded came out in 2008 and was the direct sequel for Kingdom Hearts 2. This was released on mobile phones and it was episodic. Uh, they remade this game into Regarding Coded for the Nintendo DS. Or Recoded. <laughs> Recoded. Next up is in 2009, Kingdom Hearts 358 over two days, which is set between Kingdom Hearts and Kingdom Hearts 2. This focuses on the character of Roxas from Kingdom Hearts 2, and this was released on the Nintendo DS. Now, this installment is what, probably my favorite side game, like non uh, 1, 2, or 3 game. Um, the story is incredible. You actually, there's not a lot of gameplay to it. It's more of kind of a text-driven game. Yeah. Um, but the story itself is so good. It tells the story between um, the friendship of Roxas, Axel, and Xion. Um, and if you, to me, if you really don't want to get into the, every single Kingdom Hearts game, but you want to get a sense of what the story is like, absolutely dive into 358 over two days. It's also one of those that we mentioned earlier that has almost nothing to do with Disney characters. So a prequel to the entire series, Birth by Sleep, came out in 2010 for the PSP. This game is set 10 years before the events of the first Kingdom Hearts and revealed the origins of the first game's villain. Now the problem with uh, what we were talking about earlier in having to know all of the games, if you play Kingdom Hearts 3 without playing Birth by Sleep, I guarantee you, you will have no idea what's going on. <laughs> good <laughs> so it's, it's kind of one of those absolutely essential prerequisites and not a lot of people know that unless you're like a kingdom hearts fan um so that's something to keep in mind if you want to get into kingdom hearts 3d dream drop distance came out after birth by sleep in 2012 for the 3ds it focuses on the characters of sora and riku um, and has a lot of fun levels such as my favorite disney movie hunchback of notre dame next up is kingdom hearts key a 2012 browser game taking place before the Keyblade War. And you learn a lot about the Keyblade, Keyblade War in um, 
Breath by Sleep, and Kingdom Hearts. Kingdom Hearts HD 2.8 Final Chapter Prologue saw release in 2017 for the PlayStation 4. The game includes a remastered version of Dream Drop Distance, as well as cinematic retelling of the events of Kingdom Hearts Key, or X, as it's spelled. There is also a new game feature, Kingdom Hearts Point Two: Birth by Sleep, a fragmentary passage which told the story of the character Aqua and her time in the Realm of Darkness. Now this is another, if you want to play Kingdom Hearts 3, you will need to play a fragmentary passage to understand the story. <laughs> Excellent. And now if you take 2.8, and you plus 0.2, you get Kingdom Hearts 3, which came out in January of 2019 for the PS4 and the Xbox One, uh, which was a very long time between Kingdom Hearts 3 and Kingdom Hearts 2. <laughs> so I guess these other games could fill in your Kingdom Hearts desire. Uh, the game is set after Dream Drop Distance and works as the conclusion to the main story arc of the original games. The most recent Kingdom Hearts uh, game that has come out very very recently is kingdom hearts melody of memory uh, it's a rhythm game and came out on november 13th 2020 worldwide and has come out for um, multiple game systems so fun back fact about uh, rhythm games in kingdom hearts in uh, kingdom hearts one when you go into the little mermaid planet a lot of the mini games in that world are actually rhythm games and a lot of people weren't really the biggest fan of that section because it was such a shift in how you normally play the game but i think it's really funny that no nomura was like i'm gonna take that concept and make a full-fledged game out of it <laughs> yeah that's pretty funny they're like what part did people hate the most all right make a game out yeah. of it <laughs> <laughs> i personally love it because like i said earlier the music is my favorite part of the game so yeah that's good that's our kingdom hearts episode with our our special guest uh well our kingdom hearts segment of our with our special guest dylan we're not done yet so um unless does anyone else have anything to say last thoughts about kingdom hearts it's like closing time at a bar i love it so much if you can find the time to invest in it i highly recommend it it's so worth it and also this might be a hot take too but the ending of kingdom hearts 3 is one of the best video game experiences i have ever had period and not nice. just because i love it so much um, but it's just such a satisfying ending, including the um, Kingdom Hearts 3 Remind DLC, which is actually integral to the Kingdom Hearts 3 story. So if you can get there, get there, because it's so worth it, I promise. Nice. Well, I'll definitely put in uh, the list of things to play. And speaking of putting in the things of list of things, to play, we're going to move on to our Byway Pass segment. Dylan, you as a listener of our podcast, I'm sure you're familiar with this segment. So familiar. And this seg- very good. This segment is where we talk about things that we are excited about buying, waiting, or passing on because it's not a classic Gaming Brothers episode without being excited about inaction. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. So, Dylan, once again, as the guest, why don't you take it away for something that you are excited about buying, waiting, or passing on? So, my buy, wait, pass is a full-fledged 100% buy. I already have it pre-ordered. Cannot wait for it to come out. Cyberpunk 2077. So this is adapted from the Cyberpunk franchise. The story takes place in Dystopian Night City, an open world with six distinct regions. Players assume the first-person perspective of a customizable mercenary known as V, who can acquire skills in hacking and uh, machinery. 
an arsenal of ranged weapons, and options for melee combat. I am so excited about this game because, one, I am an absolute just trash bag for open world games. <laughs> I love them so much, no matter what it is. Um, and like Zach said earlier in the episode, Kingdom Hearts was kind of my uh, gateway open world game. Um, so that's where my love like started for it. But yeah, I'm really excited to jump into an RPG. And this one looks really involved. It looks like you need you know to spend a lot of time on it. And I just really like the aesthetic of it. Um, I think it's going to be a really fun eye candy to play. I'm very excited. Cyberpunk is one of my like one of my loves for genres, and uh, I'm I'm equally excited about uh, Cyberpunk 2077. I am not equally as excited about my computer and whether or not it can run to Cyberpunk 2077. So Touché. I may be very sad about how much money I'm going to have to spend to be able to run it. Because a fun fact about me, I have only upgraded my computer at the inability to run a video game. Every time I've upgraded my computer, it was because I was not able to play a game. So Cyberpunk 2077 maybe the one that kills my system but um, i think that's fair right. though i think it would be a good game to go out on and i think this machine has lived long enough yeah i'm i'm planning on streaming it so i hope my computer Ooh. can handle it too yeah yeah i will uh definitely be interested in um at least i, I will probably join you on some of your streams uh so uh zach you want to do your by pass my by pass is actually a game uh, or rather a remake of a game that we talked about many 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 moons ago one of our earliest episodes and that is mist specifically the remake of mist that's coming out from cyan the studio that originally brought us mist so uh mist is built from the ground up to play in both vr and on flat screen pcs and it's looks to be like a full recreation of the game in like updated graphics and updated engine and everything i didn't even know it was coming out until i was on steam and i saw it under like games that are coming out soon uh personally i think it looks beautiful from the early screenshots i've seen i have no clue when it's coming out but it's supposed to come out sometime this year and i i am gonna probably put it down as a wait because i'm actually considering the potential of getting myself the oculus quest 2 um the vr set and i think if i do get the oculus quest 2 i do want to get the mystery make for that because it looks like it's being built for vr and i think playing mist in vr would be a beautiful experience um it also looks way better than real mist which came out the the like 3d remake of mist that came out back Ooh. in like ter- 2000s which was just poop so uh yeah. <laughs> so uh, uh and that's not, not like poop yeah it's just not, that's not like the real mist which was the original game this is real all lowercase big case mist yeah. all one word it's it's bad <laughs> I, i've recently played real mist i and recently bought it and why didn't you tell me that it was bad before I bought it? I don't, so mad. I don't remember. You didn't ask me if you... I know. Well, it's, I think the... I, I actually think that real all lowercase mist is... I think it's fine as a game. I think it actually does a pretty good job with um, the reskinning of mist. And I think it's fun seeing mist as a reskin. My only complaint, my very small complaint about it is when you open doors, it plays the AOL instant message door open noise. Oh <laughs> so, my God, that's incredible. So like I opened the door and it played that noise. I was like, is somebody online? <laughs> like, I was having like... <laughs> Something like PTSD of AOL and some messenger. Gotta set my away <laughs> message. So uh, finally, my byway pass is uh, a server system Redux. 
So Observer is a dark cyberpunk game that's set in 2084, uh, where a, it's a, a world that's been shattered by plagues and wars. And you, the Observer, become a member of the Neural Police Detective and you get to hack into the jagged minds of others. And you get to f- use whatever they um, felt or remembered to solve a case and catch the killer. I think I wanted this game when it came out in 2017. And now that they're remastering it for 2020, now I'm doubly excited for it. But I never ended up buying it. And it's kind of a spooky game where I have to be in the mood to be spooky. So I'm going to put it down on the wait list. But I don't know. I might be getting into the mood soon to play a spooky detective game. I'm always in the mood for a spooky uh, game. Yeah. And this plus transient. So I'm going to put it down as a wait. But that's... Only because I haven't really dwelled long enough on it, to be fair. Um, so wait, possibly buy. Nice. Not a pass, though. Not a pass. Also, I realized by the time this podcast comes out, Cyberpunk 2077 had been released. So hopefully uh, future me, hey, hope you're enjoying the game. Same to me, future me. Pod time is weird time. Anyway, so that's it. That's our, our episode about Kingdom Hearts. Excellent. But specifically, our episode featuring our friend and extended classic gaming brother dylan who is better known as i'm gonna try it again and you're gonna be mad um kata queen yeah there yeah. it is you got yes. it also extended Ooh. classic gaming brother <laughs> yeah Oh, I feel like I've been knighted. Oh, excellent. Sir Connor Queen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. So it's fun. You get to go to our, our special guest area on our website. Currently, people either go to our special guest section or our staff section. So if you if you help us with the production of the podcast, you become a staff. Oh, hell yeah. And if yeah. you come on the podcast, you become a special guest. So if you go to the special guests, I don't think I've ever plugged the special guest section on our website. So if you go to our website, and since we're getting to the plugging section, if you, if you go to our website, you can go to the special guest section, and there you will find a list of people who have been on our podcast. And it may be different every time because we have people come on to our podcast, uh, I would say pretty on schedule, if not regularly and there you will find uh, the episode that they were on so you can listen to it uh, you will also find information regarding their particular channels and youtubes and social medias if they have them or wish them to be public we have for example if you would like to listen to the episode mike case was on that is there and you can listen to it then you can go to his youtube and you can watch him open a box that we shipped him you can also watch him open other boxes and and so now you will also see dylan also known as uh, I'm going to try it again. Kata Queen? Oh, hell yeah. Two for two. <laughs> um, You're good. Two for two. You will see his Twitch, his Instagram, his Twitter, his whatever social medias he wants to provide us will be there. His podcast for Consume Culture, perhaps even the podcast that we were on. I don't know. I, I'll play around with whatever is going to be there. So you'll see it after this episode airs and not before. Before we go into our own call to action, once again, check out uh, Dylan's Twitch, twitch.tv slash Queen K-A-N-E-K-W-E-E-N. And if you want to find him on uh, YouTube, Twitch, or TikTok... <laughs> that's that's how you can find him and then if you want to find him on instagram you just add an extra e in the queen yeah mostly uh mostly active on instagram and twitter and that would be three e's 
three E's. And Twitch, which is two E's. Yes, Twitch is two E's. Uh, YouTube is two E's. Uh, TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram are three E's. Three E's, there we go. And also has a podcast called Consume Culture, which you can listen to on anywhere podcasts are listened to. Specifically, I know Spotify for sure. Um, why don't you give us a Why don't you give us a, a a spiel about what consume culture is all about? So, consume culture is about kind, conscious, and constructive consuming of uh, entertainment media. So, basically, we talk about a wide array of topics ranging from star wars to the last of us 2 to lady gaga's chromatica album to politics to uh survival horror video games um horror movies netflix movies the whole gambit and basically we talk about it in a way that is kind and supportive and basically the thesis of the podcast is that Everything, all media has some sort of merit and what are the lessons and what can we get from um, entertainment media that's positive. So if you want to listen to something like that, check out Consume Culture and then the type of games that you play run a run a gamut. I know you've been playing Among Us at the time of this recording a lot of. Is there any other games that you like to play a lot of? Yeah, so right now the kind of cycle is uh, Among Us, Super Smash Bros and Genshin Impact, um, but the cycle changes constantly. Um, for the month of October, we did Halloween, which was all horror games. And uh, yeah, I'm a variety streamer. I've done Twitch Sings before. I've done uh, community game nights. I've done watch parties of horror movies. Um, so yeah, definitely would say I'm a variety streamer. Let me tell you if there's any place that you want to be, if you want to go and hang out with and know that you're really going to be hanging out with some good people, check out, go over to his stream. It's a very uh, accepting and inviting uh, channel. And you, even if it's late and he, you can see and you see Dylan playing a game, just go check him out. He'll chat with you um, and you can chat with his community. And he's very engaging with any everybody who's, who's viewing his his stuff. So definitely uh, check him out, even even when he's got his Tons of hundreds of followers, millions of followers. <laughs> Just mi- millions and billions. Thank you so much. So with that, Zach, do you want to take our call to action? Now, let's say you want to get in touch with the Classic Gaming Brothers. Well, there's plenty of ways that you can get in touch with the Classic Gaming Brothers. First thing you got to do, though, is you got to shoot us an email. Well, you don't got to shoot us an email, but you can sh- shoot us an email. So you can shoot that email over to ClassicGamingBrothers at gmail.com or ClassicGamingBrothers at ClassicGamingBrothers.com or Zach at ClassicGamingBrothers.com or Seth at ClassicGamingBrothers.com. Com, and I'm going to spoil something for you. Seth will probably be the one answering all those emails just because he's the email guy. I'm not the email guy. So you can also get in touch with us through our website, which Seth was mentioning earlier, classicgamingbrothers.com. If you go to that website, there's a contact form. You can fill out that contact form. It'll go straight to our email inbox. So we'll get in touch with you that way. If you send an email over to us, you will be entered into uh, the opportunity to win a free game no questions asked that sounds weird <laughs> no it's just a free game we're gonna pull a question we're gonna pull a game from uh from a list that seth has and or you'll get to pull a game from a list that seth has and then uh, that'll be your game for life that you get to own you never have to never have to look at it again if you want to listen to us we are available on all major podcasting applications out there you know your 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 spotify's your your apple podcasts your amazon podcasts etc etc we're available on everything uh if you want to support us there's plenty of ways you can support us uh first thing you could do is you could go to any of our social media areas which are for facebook and instagram 
Classic Gaming Brothers on Twitter at CG Brothers Pod. Uh, that's also a great way you can get in touch with us. You can go to those places, reach out to us. We'll get back to you. You can also like us on those pages, share our stuff when you see it. That would be great. You can follow us on all the major platforms that you can. So if you if you want to listen to us, be sure to click that subscribe or the bell or whatever symbol it is that lets you know that our new episode's getting posted. Also, please share our episodes. We really appreciate it. Um, obviously the best way you can support us is just by being here and listening to us that's a great way to support us though if you do want to own our merchandise there's another way you could support us and that is giving us your money um so that you can wear our face on your shirt uh so you can buy a shirt it was what i'm saying it's they're available on our website you can also buy a mug um it's also available on our website can't wear a mug though you can drink a mug thank you guys for uh having me on your podcast i really enjoyed it and have been an avid fan of the pod uh from the get-go because i think it's a really awesome thing that you guys are doing so well thank you thank you for having thank you for being here we're happy to have you you're welcome always thank you for being a friend thank you dylan for saying those kind words seth is there anything you'd like to add don't play games like my brother and don't play games like my brother i've been seth and i've been zach i've been kind queen and we've been the classic gaming brothers and kind queen that's right that's right that's right